Welcome to the Freedom Church Podcast. We are so glad that you are investing in your relationship with the Lord by listening to this message. Check out our YouTube channel for a complete log of all of our sermons. If you would like to know more about FC, visit our website at www.freedomfamily.us. God bless and remember that the best is yet to come. Morning, church. Let's give God praise that we're able to have the health and strength to be in his house today. Let's also give him praise for all of the changed lives we were witnessing both services. That a lot in the first service. Let's give God praise for that, all right, church? So, get this. This is crazy, but think about it. Christmas has snuck up on us. It's two weeks from today, okay? All right, two weeks from today. Now, I got a question. How many of you here are already done shopping? Raise your hand. Y'all stink. I am about the first thing. Now, that's not my wife. My wife and I, my wife's been having an affair with Amazon. That's all I can say. Okay. And uh, in our home, the presents we did in our, in our home, we did have a, you know, you know, full size tree. That don't work no more. We had to go to a tree about this tall because the gifts is overtaking the living room. I'm not kidding you. I'm thinking, this is not going to work in the future. This just ain't going to work. I'm sitting here thinking, oh my goodness, we're going to be out there and be begging one day, you know, because we just spend every, but hey, we're blessed and highly favored and love getting gifts and giving gifts to people that we love. And so, but here's what I want to talk about before that I jump in, a couple of things to really put it in your iCal or in your calendar, whatever it is you keep up with. Now, next Sunday... On, on the 18th, as we continue these special events that we're doing each Sunday, next Sunday we're going to have our uh, petting zoo here, which and it always makes me think about the animals that surrounded Jesus' birth because I've been to Israel four times and I've been where the cave is that they believe in Bethlehem and there were that Jesus was actually born and it was in a stable area where animals were. So I think a lot about that when I see the animals. So, so be sure to invite your friends that don't normally go to church and say, hey, bring your kids, bring your family. It is a wonderful thing to be able to see them and camels and all the different things they bring. But then the next weekend is Christmas weekend. We know that Christmas Eve is on Saturday. Christmas Day is on Sunday. Comes around every seven years. So here's what we're doing. We're going to have, we have a wonderful, wonderful service plan that weekend as well. I got a special gift for each one of you, for those of you that are here and uh, that will be here that weekend. We're going to be having Christmas Eve at 5 p.m. and we're going to be having one service on Christmas Day at 10 a.m. So they're both going to be identical services. Just pick whichever one you want to come to. Like I said last week, just tell your family, you don't get no food till we go to church. Simple as that. So we go on and get in the dessert first, then we'll come back home We get the and, and eat the other meal. But other than that, I hope you're making plans to come. Last week, I started a series of messages I wanted to do based off Matthew's Gospel chapter 1, verse 23, and we're going to look at that in just a moment. Uh, but when you think about God coming, He came down the stairway of heaven. Jesus did. He put on skin. He was imp- His mother, Mary, a virgin, impregnated by the power of the Holy Spirit. God's Son was born, and He came to be among us. And so, with that being said, last week I talked about how that we as people a lot of times go through a valley and 
it's on the mountaintop that, you know, we spend time a lot sometimes with God on the mountaintop, but when we get in a valley, that's where we really get to know God. So, we're going to move a step forward today, but let's read this one verse here uh, together. It says, look, the virgin will conceive a child. She will give birth to a son, and they will call him Emmanuel, which means, recite these last four words with me, God is with us. Now, look at the person next to you and say, God is with us. So, today, as we learned last week about valleys, today we're moving a step forward how do we experience those wilderness times? And you say, well, what's the difference, Pastor? You see, experiencing God in the wilderness is different than a valley. And you say, well, how is that? Because really a wilderness lasts a lot longer. And when you look in the scriptures and you study about wildernesses, really what it's representative of is really when you and I have some really tough hardships that seem unending. It's whenever you and I have the situation where that we're going through a trial and we don't see no end in sight. We're just going through life and we're wandering aimlessly. That's what we're talking about when it comes to experiencing a wilderness. And experiencing God in that is, is sometimes we wonder, where are you? And now, you know what? I believe with a crowd of people this size and those of you that join us online, some of you may be in some type of wilderness right now in your life. Maybe it's a situation where that you're, you've been in the same job for a while. But you didn't finish your degree, and you're thinking, do I quit my job? Do I try to finish the degree? Do I do, I do that career switch, or do I stay where I'm at? It's just kind of like you're wandering aimlessly, wondering what you need to do. Some of you might be thinking, man, we've been leasing for a while, and we need to buy a house, but now the, we don't know what to do. We're trying to save our money, interest rates up. I don't know what to do. You're just kind of wondering what to do in situations like that. Maybe you're here. And you've been dating the same guy for five years, and this is the fifth Christmas year together. And you're wondering, is he ever going to pop the question? And you're thinking, do I dump this dude and move on? Or do I keep wondering, you know, whatever it may be. Maybe it's a situation where that you know that you've got a career move you can make. You've been offered that career move, but it's going to move your family across the country. But yet your kids have everything going on here, they're friends, you're going to lose all your benefits, you're going to be starting over, vacation's going to be slim that you get from your work. You wonder, what do I do? You just kind of wander aimlessly. Whatever it is, sometimes we wander aimlessly and we end up getting stuck or we feel like we're in paralysis. We feel like that we can't get anywhere. We're just afraid. And what's amazing is that the Bible tells us stories here that whenever you are on a mountaintop experience that everything is wonderful, then comes a wilderness. If we look at Matthew's gospel, we see there that Jesus was born in Matthew 1. We see in Matthew 2 that the wise men come and they're looking for the king that they knew that was going to be born, that was prophesied that was going to be born. And so King Herod was jealous. So what does he do? He puts a hit out on all the baby boys to be murdered, two years old and under. So God comes to Joseph in a dream and tells Joseph to carry Mary and baby Jesus and get out of Dodge, so to speak, get away from there. And they fled to Egypt and Africa 
Rebekah. And then we see after that, that the Lord tells Joseph, it's safe now. You can bring baby Jesus and your family back to Nazareth. We see in chapter three, when Jesus grows up, we see that it comes a time that Jesus is having this amazing mountaintop experience that he is now going to begin his ministry. And he goes to be able to be baptized by John the Baptist to be able to give an example for you and I. Not that he sinned, but he was giving us an example to be baptized and he is starting his earthly ministry. So in that moment, in that mountaintop experience, here's Jesus, when he comes up out of the water, the, the Trinity of God, God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit is present in that moment. And what happens is here's Jesus coming up out of the water. The Word tells us that the Holy Spirit descended upon him like a dove and then a voice comes from heaven and says, this is my son in whom I am well pleased. Then there's chapter four. What happens immediately after this mountaintop experience? In chapter four, it says the Holy Spirit led Jesus into the wilderness to be tempted for 40 days by the adversary, Satan. Mountaintops are followed by the wilderness. Maybe you're here today and you had a friend betray you. Maybe it was your best friend. Maybe you've been friends for years and they've blocked you on Instagram and social media platforms. You either work with them or you live beside them and they snub you everywhere that you go, but they're the ones that brought about the betrayal. Maybe you're in a financial wilderness. Maybe it's a situation where you just don't know how you're going to pay for Christmas, and it's just tough, and some of the things your kids want, you thought, man, I, there's just no way I can afford to do those things. It just feels like you're in a wilderness, and, and maybe there's a unique situation that's, that you just don't understand, and you try to talk to people about it, and they just don't understand what you're going through, and you're hurting, and you're broken. Maybe you're in a situation that you never saw coming. Your spouse stepped out on you, cheated on you. And you're hurting, you're broken, you're confused, and you're lonely, and you're wondering, why God? No matter what you may be going through, there's something that I want you to understand today that it's, it's just, you've got to stay with me, but the deepest need that you have becomes a gift that drives you to depend on God. Listen to this. Let me say it again. Listen to me. The deepest need that you have or what you're going through becomes a gift that God would give you. You don't even realize it. That drives you to depend fully upon him. This is lived out. We're going to see today in first Kings chapter 19. We're going to the old Testament. It's lived out in the life of Elijah. Elijah learned this God-sized principle from God, and you know, God actually used him in a tremendous, magnificent way on a mountain, literally on the mountain of Carmel. I've been there multiple times. And he experiences, Elijah does, the power of Almighty God. And it's almost immediate after he has this great mountaintop experience that he finds himself in the wilderness. Elijah, in this wilderness, falls into a state of depression. He's living in desperation. He is alone, and he is scared for his life. You say, well, help me understand. Let me give you the context. 
There was a king named Ahab. Those of you, many of you know the story, some of you don't. There was a king named, an evil king named Ahab. He had even a more sinister evil wife named Jezebel. Now, I've always said this. I've always said there's not going to be any man or woman that has a child. They have a daughter. They're not going to name their daughter Jezebel. How many of you know anybody that's named their daughter Jezebel? Raise your hand. No one. But here just a few weeks ago, true story, we found out about a couple that named their daughter Jezebel. And I'm thinking, oh, dear Lord Jesus, please read 1 Kings 19. What have you done to this child? And I'm thinking, oh, my goodness, please just say Jezzy. Don't say Baal on the end of it. People look at you like, she's evil. (laughs) Don't get around her. (laughs) But here, King Ahab had a problem with Elijah. And I'll get more into that later. But after this mountaintop experience and Elijah wipes out the 850 prophets of of Baal and Asherah and they die and has this mountaintop experience, Ahab is ticked off. He goes home and he tells Jezebel, his wife, what happened. Well, she goes ballistic. He said, let me tell you what's going to happen, Ahab. If you can't take care of the problem, I will. By this time tomorrow, she sends a message, I'm going to kill Elijah. And what does Elijah do? He freaks out. Men, how many of you like me? When the woman gets mad, look out. Don't look around. Don't look at her. Just keep looking forward to me and smiling like you enjoying the Word of God. Okay. But here we go, Elijah freaks out in fear. And check this out in 1 Kings chapter 19, beginning with verse 3. Elijah was afraid and fled for his life. He went to Beersheba, a town in Judah, and he left his servant there. How afraid was Elijah of Jezebel? Let me, give you, let me help you understand. Beersheba, from where he was, how far do you think the distance was? Try this, it was 100 miles. He was one scared dude of Jezebel. He ran 100 miles to get away from Jezebel. He is freaking out in fear. Then it says, then he went alone, here's these three words, into the wilderness, traveling all day. So he's alone, he's desperate, he's scared, he's hurting, and it says he sat down under a solitary broom tree and prayed that he might die. Then he said five words that many of us here, if not everybody, if you think back, have all said. Look what it says. It says, I have had enough, Lord. I have had enough, Lord. See, he'd been fighting the good fight Elijah had here because of the pagan, the pagan, peop- the pagan gods that Ahab and God's people had went after, see? And he had been a man who had been brave. He had had the faith. He had had the courage. But now Elijah's done. Elijah's spent. And he's not up to it anymore. And he says, I have had enough, Lord. I doubt there's many people here that haven't said this comment before. I've had enough, Lord. Some of you that, like me, I raised three girls. And man, it was wonderful the first 10 years of her life. They were amazing. But from the second decade of their life, from 10 to 20, There was times, and I promise you, that I thought my girls, an alien had taken over their body and freaked them out. 
And I thought to the mom, I said, I am done. I said, you're going to have to deal with them. I don't understand this kind of stuff, you know. I just don't. I'm thinking, man, anyway. And, uh, you know, and sometimes some of you are so mad, you said, I've had enough of them. And what you do, you reach in the back of the car to try to slap at them. How many of you ever done that before? Raise your hand. Be honest. Yes, you've done that. You reach back around because you had enough and you want to slap at them and stuff and try to tune them up. One pastor friend of mine said that his daddy would do that. And the older brother, when his daddy got to slapping, the older brother would grab the younger brother and hold his head underneath his daddy's hand. While he was slapping. But sometimes you just had, Lord, I have had enough. I am done. I am spent. Maybe that's happening with you, with who you work for, your boss. Maybe they're passive aggressive. Maybe they're narcissistic. Maybe they're a very demanding person. And you just think, I've had enough. I don't know how much longer I can work for this dude. Or maybe it's a situation where that you're doing better financially, but then sickness hits. And there's doctor bill, after doctor bill, after doctor bill. Or maybe you're trying to do better financially, but then you go to the grocery store and you freak out because you can't hardly buy anything. My wife went to the doctor's store this week. How much was a carton of eggs? $6. $6. I said, man, I said, this is not good because I like deviled eggs. But then I figured out why they called them deviled eggs because the devil got into the price of eggs. So I can't hardly eat, even eat deviled eggs. But whatever it is, you end up, things happen in life, and you end up saying, Lord, I have had enough. How many of you here will be honest and raise your hand and say, I've said that before? Yes. Most, if not all of you. This happened to Elijah. See, he experienced this great, powerful high, the presence of God, but now he's discouraged. Now he's fatigued. Why is that? So let's, let's look back and kind of look at why this happened and what was going on in his life. He stood down... King Ahab, and what he had done, he prophesied to King Ahab because of their sin going after idols, God's people were. He called, he asked God to cause a drought for three years. So he has this drought going on. And so this is really ticked off King Ahab. He's mad. So King Ahab is chasing Elijah for three years. He wants to do what he can do to stop Elijah because he sees Elijah's against him. So he's full force pursuing Elijah. And then next thing you know, God is protecting Elijah though through this process. While hiding, you know what God does? He sends food with raven birds to feed Elijah. He sends Elijah to a home of a woman and the woman's son dies. What does he do? Elijah raises that son back to life. Elijah, after that, stands down and has this great thing where he said, you guys are halted between two opinions. Those of you who want to serve God, you better get over here. Those of you who want to serve Baal, you get over here. And next thing you know, God showed up, brought fire down from heaven and wiped out the sacrifice and showed that he was God. And the 850 prophets of Baal and Asherah were dead. And God, he asked God, then Elijah did, to bring the rain back. And then they saw a cloud in the sky the size of a man's hand. The next thing you know, rain comes back. And then, so God not only gave Elijah protection, he not only gave Elijah provision, but as he experienced the presence and the greatness of God, unlike most people will ever even experience it, one woman gets really angry, makes a threat, he falls completely apart, okay? Man, it's almost like to me, sometimes when you get the look, 
Okay, guys, look at me. Look at me. How many of you guys will be bold enough? Now, you got to go home with your wife. I know that. Okay. How many of you guys know what time it is when she gives you the look? Raise your hand, guys. Raise your hand. Yes, you know what time it is. Yeah, when you get the look. But this is the look 2.0, okay? So when you look at Elijah here, he seems very exhausted. He seems beat down. And that's what happens a lot of times when you get in the wilderness. Many of you can relate. You say, I'm tired. I am just really tired. I'm just depleted. And some of you feel that way right now. That's how you feel in your spirit. You can't take it anymore. You're overwhelmed. You just want to run away. You're done. You wore out. How many of you are like me and, and you've just, you've made that statement where I'm really tired. Raise your hand. Yes. But here's, here's the thing about if you were just really tired, not track with me on this, if you were just really tired, then a good nap or a late morning of sleeping would help revive you. However, maybe, just maybe, track with me, you're misdiagnosing what's taking place with you with the challenge you're going through in your life. Maybe what you need is not really so much physical rest, but you need spiritual replenishment. You say, what do you mean, Pastor? You see, you need God's grace. You need his mercy. You need his love. You need his presence. You need him to comfort you and give you a full dose because your cup is completely empty. That's why that when David said, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He makes me to lie down in green pastures and he restores my soul. He restores my soul. See, when you're trying to, to pour out all the time and you get spiritually empty, you're not doing yourself any good and you're not going to do any good for somebody else unless you take the time to get your cup spiritually refilled. That's why when other people are gracing this stage and other pastors are preaching a word right here. You know why they do that? Because I don't have enough good stuff to say, Okay. And my point is, if I just keep pouring out to you every single week and it's just me, pretty soon I'll be pouring out from an empty cup because I've emptied out all I've got. And sometimes I like to get poured into also. So you think about your life. Maybe it's a situation. You just keep pouring out to your family. You keep pouring out to your family. You keep pouring out to your family. But you find yourself in a dry wilderness because you're not taking time to, to read the Word of God. You're not taking time to be able to pray and seek the Lord God in heaven who loves you with all his heart, who wants to commune with you. He wants intimacy with you. Maybe you're pouring yourself out in your job and you're thinking, this business, it's not going to keep going. It's going to falter if I don't do what I can do. And you're doing everything you can do. And like I talked about last weekend, you're burning the candle at both ends, but you're not spending time with God. You find yourself in a wilderness of dryness. Elijah found himself depleted. So when we look at this situation, what did God do to Elijah? Did, did God preach him a powerful sermon? Or did he say, hey, Elijah, where's your faith at? No, no, no. Let's peer in and see what God said through the angel of the Lord. But as he was sleeping, 
And the angel touched him and told him, get up and eat. He looked around and there beside his head was some bread baked on hot stones and a jar of water. So he ate and drank and lay down again. You know what this tells me here? Sometimes the most spiritual thing you can do is just stop and take a breather. Rest and eat and let God restore your soul. Be still, he says, and know that I am God. He says, then the angel of the Lord came again and touched him and said, get up and eat some more or the journey ahead will be too much for you. So he got up and he ate and drank and the food gave him enough strength to travel 40 days and 40 nights to Mount Sinai, the mountain of God. There he came to a cave where he spent the night. But the Lord said to him, what are you doing here, Elijah? He's basically, what are you doing here, Elijah? Why are you running away from people, Elijah? Why are you running away from Jezebel, Elijah? Why are you running away from me? He's saying to Elijah, you know better than this, Elijah. Maybe God is speaking to some of you like that right now. He's saying, what are you doing right now? Where are you at in life right now? You're aimlessly wandering. I'm the God of second chances. And and maybe you didn't get it right the second time, but now I'm going to give you a do-over. The Lord is coming to you again. He's saying, quit looking at all the circumstances of the situation. What you have no control over changes. Quit looking over here at this situation over here that you have no control over. You can't change the past. If you'll look at me in the future, that's where I'm at and that's where I'm trying to lead you to. I don't know about you, but how many of you are like me? I cannot stand to hear people whine and complain. Please raise your hand real high, real high. Thank you. Um, Those of you that that didn't raise your hand, you probably didn't raise your hand because you're the one. (laughs) You're the one. But I, I don't know about you, but life's tough enough to whine and complain about things. And what gets me more than anything, I can't stand to hear people whining and complaining. And I hope you're like that too, because I have a God who's on the throne. I have a God who spoke this world into existence. I have a God whose son came here and gave his life for me and went to a cross and died on a tree that his heavenly father grew out of the ground to die for my sins. I have, he went through all the things that I'll never have to. He took my place on the cross. Therefore, I have no right to complain. I have no right to be able to whine and complain. God is on the throne, church. There's great things he has in front of us. And whenever you, you know what, when you get around, I don't, I'm not, listen, if you're negative, I ain't hanging out with you. Because what's negative people do? Negativity breeds negativity. So, listen, this old saying, go talk to the hand because the face don't understand. Life's tough enough without all that kind of stuff. We got to look and know that God is on the throne and he loves us. He's there for us. And he it's just amazing what he wants to do. But what does Elijah do in the story? He starts whining and complaining. Listen to this. 
Elijah replied, I have zealously served the Lord God Almighty, but people of Israel have broken down their covenant with you. They've broken their covenant, torn down your altars, and killed every one of your prophets, which was not true. I am the only one left, and now they're trying to kill me too, Lord. That's what happens when you walk away from God. You're just kind of trying to do life on your own. You're hurting, you're lonely, you're desperate, you get depressed, and and nobody you think understands what you're going through. Then God, what does he do? He comes to meet Elijah's deepest need. See, your deepest need becomes a gift that God has given you that will drive you to depend on God. And you say, what do you mean? It says here, look at what it says in the scripture of how God ministers to Elijah. Go out and stand before me on the mountain, the Lord told him. And as Elijah stood there, the Lord passed by and a mighty windstorm hit the mountain. It was such a terrible blast that the rocks were torn loose, but the Lord was not in the wind. And after the wind, there was an earthquake, but the Lord was not in the earthquake. And after the earthquake, there was a fire. But the Lord was not in the fire. And after the fire, there was a sound of a gentle whisper. Well, surely the Lord, God Almighty, that controls our weather, surely the Lord would have been in the wind, but the Lord wasn't in the wind. Well, surely the Lord would have been in the earthquake because he controls those things, but it says that he wasn't in the earthquake. And it says about the fire, he wasn't in the fire. (laughs) Earth, wind, and fire. Do you remember 21st day, September? Some of you are thinking, what's he doing? You're a little bit too young to know. You might ought to ask somebody a little older than you. Anyway, why are we overwhelmed the way we are? Why wasn't God doing the remarkable? I'll tell you what God was doing. God was doing the ordinary. God was in the whisper. See, when we're overwhelmed by stress and it's, it's just seeming to dominate everything about us and we're, we're covered and it seems like anxiety is whipping us to no end. Why does God's voice, when we're hurting so bad, seem to be so quiet? Why doesn't he speak and show himself to us in spectacular ways and powerful ways. He does want us to know him, doesn't he? Yes, he does. He does want us to experience his presence. Yes, he does. He does want us to trust him. Yes, he does. Why is it that when life is so hard and it's so difficult that God is so quiet? Why does God come to Elijah and doesn't show himself in a spectacular way. Why doesn't God come and show us when we're hurting in a spectacular way? Why did he whisper to Elijah? I'll tell you exactly why he whispered to him. He was so close. God was so close. I'm not going to leave you. I'm not going to forsake you. It doesn't matter how bad you're hurting. I'm right here with you. 
depend on me. I'm going to be here for you more than you can ever imagine. God whispers. I know for all of us, sometimes we wonder, God, why do you, why do you let us hurt so bad? And God is right there with us. He's so close in the hardest moments of our lives, and we all have hard moments in life. To the devil, what does he do? He shouts. <laughs> he shouts lies. But the Lord comes in and he gives us his truth. He's not shouting. He's calling us closer and closer. He's with us. He's there with us. I've been with you the whole time. I've been here right beside you. And even when you feel brokenhearted, he's there. I love Psalm chapter 34 and verse 18. Listen to what it says. It says, the Lord is close to the brokenhearted. He rescues those who are, whose spirits are crushed. I remember, and maybe you do too, when you were little and you were at home, and a storm, a bad storm comes up and we were little, where did we want to run to? Mom and dad's room. You remember that? You wanted to get close to mom and dad, especially get close to my dad because I knew if I could get close to my dad, I felt safe. And instead of us running in the wilderness by ourselves, trying to make sense of the cards that we've been dealt and the situation and circumstances of life that breaks us and stretches us and gives us anxiety and makes us feel like there's no hope. I just need to throw the towel in. We just need to know that God's right there. He's close to the brokenhearted that are facing storms in life. And I'd rather be in a wilderness with God any day than to be on a mountaintop without him. Why does he whisper? Because he's so close. He's so close. I've shared my testimony many a times in the 20 plus years of our church. But that deepest need that you have becomes a gift to drive you to depend on God. I grew up in the church and those of you that heard my testimony, many of you haven't probably, and, but I gave my life to Christ when I was 12 years old. I was born again in our church, gave my life to Jesus. Sins were forgiven. I'll never forget that moment walking on a cloud after the Lord saved my soul. But then I kind of went my own way and got caught up with the wrong people. And I found myself at 18 years old in a jail cell for 20 days for dealing dope. I 
And when I think about now what it drove me to do, that 20 days was a gift. Sometimes at the moment it didn't feel like it, but what it did in that moment, it drove me to do one thing, is to depend on God like I've never depended on God and I prayed two prayers, God, please get me out of the mess that I got myself into. And please send me a good woman that I can serve, marry, serve, raise my family and become everything you called me to be. I'll do anything you want me to, God. And I look back all these years later and God did all of that. He answered that while I was in that wilderness for years. And now, He turned me from a dope dealer to a hope dealer. And that's God. Maybe the greatest need you have is your health. And it's failing. Or someone you love. It's failing, but what that has become, you don't even realize, it's became a gift that's driving you to depend on God like you've never depended on Him. Maybe, God forbid, it's been the death of a loved one. And maybe they were right with the Lord and they departed prematurely, but yet you have been in the wilderness, but yet God is using their departure as a gift for your life to drive you closer, to depend on God. What is it in your life that's your deepest need that can become that gift that's going to drive you closer to God? That loneliness this Christmas that you're having because someone you love is not going to be there this year. Someone that broke your heart. But yet through this brokenness, it's really become a gift to drive you closer to depending on God because maybe you didn't before. When we look at this story, God, He wasn't in a loud earthquake, nor was he in the rushing wind, and he wasn't in the raging fire. So where was God? God was in the whisper. God was in the whisper. And if you'll stop and slow down from the busyness and the rush of this world, you may very well be able to hear God whispered to you, you'll be ready for the presence of God as he speaks to your soul because who is he? Who is God? He's Emmanuel. He's God with us. Why does he whisper? Because he's so close. Would you stand with me as we pray? Father, we come in your presence today to honor and praise your holy name. You're such a good God. We praise you today. We thank you for your presence and your power and your closeness, even when we feel like you're not there. Thank you for your grace and your mercy. 
God, my heart's cry today for these people in this beautiful auditorium or those that might be watching via the internet across this world. God, please help each one that's hurting and broken today that may be wandering aimlessly looking for answers. May they hear your gentle, soft whisper that you are there. How many of you would say that you feel like, as we continue to pray, you feel like you've been in a wilderness? Would you just raise your hand across the auditorium? God bless you. God bless you. Hands are going up everywhere. God bless you. God bless you. Would you listen for the gentle, soft whisper of God as you pray to him right now and say, God, I need your help. I don't want to wander aimlessly. Help me, God, in my present situation. God, I need you. Tell him that. I'm going to pray with you and for you, for those of you that lifted your hand and you feel like you're in the wilderness. Father, right now, in the name of Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior, we're very thankful, God, that you are close to the brokenhearted. I pray, precious Father, for every person that lifted their hand or those who might not have even had the strength to do so. God, bless them right now. Speak to their hearts. May they steal themselves and know that you are God and be able to listen. May you bring victory to their hearts and lives and give them back a mountaintop experience, God, from the aimless wilderness that seems like it's unending. Bless them right now, God. Show yourself to them right now, God. May they hear your gentle, sweet voice. Maybe you're here and you're not in the wilderness, but how many of you here would say, I, I want to be more aware of God's whispers in my life? Just lift your hand. I want to be more attuned to God's whisper in my life. God, I pray, Lord, that each one would just slow down enough to listen and hear your still, small voice. Bless us, Holy Father. Strengthen us, Holy Father, in this weary world in which we live. You are Emmanuel. You are God with us. Help us, God, and help those by showing yourself real to them. Just tell God right now. Say, God, I've been rushing around, God. I've been maybe living life, doing according to my plan. God, I'm trusting you today. I'm slowing down to hear your gentle voice today. Maybe you've never listened enough to hear the voice of God and you've never given your heart to Jesus today. That's why you're here, friend. You're here because the Lord Jesus Christ wants to come into your life. And as we're praying right now, as he begins to whisper to your soul, that's just simply Jesus saying, I want to come into your heart and life. I want to save your soul. I want you to make me the Lord of your life, Jesus is saying. So right now, if that's you today, would you simply, as the Lord is whispering to your heart and you've never given your heart to him for the first time and you know he's talking to you, you hear God, your creator. Slip your hand up real high right now, real quickly. Slip your hand up real high and say, I hear the voice of God. I need to receive Jesus as Lord and Savior. Just slip your hand up real high, shoot it up and then back down. All right, we're going to pray. Just tell him, say, Lord Jesus, I invite you into my heart today. I know it's you speaking to me. I believe it's you and I confess my sins to you. 
Tell him, say, Lord, please make me new. I ask you to forgive me of all my wrongdoing. Salvage my life. Please transform, transform my soul. Save me. My life is yours. And if you've prayed that and meant that from the depths of your soul, thank him right where you're at to give him glory. And he's going to give you the presence of his Holy Spirit to go with you from this day forward. Father, thank you for what you're doing. Thank you that you're not just a God who's with us on the mountaintops. You're with us in the lowest of wildernesses that we travel, it seems unending. Thank you, God, for your gentle, sweet whisper to us. We love you and thank you for that deep need that we have that we realize is a gift because we're dependent on you like never before. In Jesus' name we pray. And everybody shouts, amen. Amen. Let's give God praise, church, all right?